Welcome to At the Crossroads Church weekly podcast. Our hope is that you will grow in your walk with God and be blessed and encouraged in your daily lives as you listen. You can visit us at our website at atthecrossroads.ca. Well, as I say, we do have a, a, a special speaker with us this morning, uh, Pastor Steve Wesley. So, Pastor Steve, why don't you come and share what's on your heart? Well, bless God. Amen. It is good to be with you. Good to be able to open the Word together with you. Let me give you a little background. I always forget to do this. Um, uh, so, I'm married to an absolutely wonderful, wonderful wife. Um, her name is Angela. Uh, she's Italian. Uh, we have three children. Uh, Alicia is 27, Jotham uh, is 24, and Isaac is 21. Yes, I'm getting up there. <laughs> Don't let the gray hair fool you. I'm, I'm, I'm getting up there. Um, so uh, we spent um, some time in Africa as missionaries. Uh, I was there first for a couple of years, and then I uh, came home, was on staff at a church in Scarborough, which blows my mind. The young lady's name, I'm sorry, Jeanette. So Jeanette, who was in the first service, walks up to me and says, hi, Pastor Stephen. And I, I look up, and it's like, we're going back 35 years. Like, we're going back a ways. We're going back sometime. And I'm looking at her like, are you kidding me right now? So anyway, I was pastoring, helping pastor and co-pastor a church in uh, Scarborough, and uh, then my wife and I went back to Africa for 13 months, and we thought we would spend a long period, five, at least five years there, and then God kind of upended us to bring us home to help bring healing uh, to our home church, and then ended up in, uh, in, um, in Hamilton, of all places. Like, what am I doing in Hamilton, Lord? Like, this wasn't on the agenda. This wasn't part of the plan. You know how that works, right? It wasn't your plan to begin with, right? It was. So there we are in Hamilton and uh, did some outreach ministries. Now we have a ministry called Beyond Borders Ministries. And uh, its goal is to make God's glory, character, and goodness known. That's, that's the very, that's my heart. <laughs> You know, you know how you try and work, like, what is it, what is it, what is it? And it's, it comes down to making his glory, his goodness, and his character known. Because when that's known, everything changes. And so whether that's greater revelation of who he is in the local church, or whether that's seeing people who don't know Christ come to know him, we're all in for that. We're all in for that. So God's opening too many doors right now for me to, to take the time to get into that. But I just wanted to give you a little background. So how am I here? So Travis and Camilla, a couple of years ago, we met uh, at an MFI um, um, conference and just connected. Uh, just, just felt a, a spiritual connection. And each time we would have one of those conferences, we would, we would chat, we would talk, and, and uh, be excited. At least I was. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, I'm teasing. I know you were. So then, uh, uh, the last one, uh, he said, listen, I want to have you come and minister. I want you to come and, and minister the Word. And I was like, I, I would absolutely love to. And the reason why is you're an extension of them. You're an extension of their heart and of their vision, and of what God has given to them, and what he wants to do here. And you know, it's never, you never do it alone. Somebody say amen. 
You, you can't do kingdom alone. If you think you can do it by yourself, uh, there's no lone rangers in the kingdom. We're all a part of the family. We all need one another. Capital N-E-E-D. We all need one another. And when you don't know that, that's where you get yourself in trouble. I won't get into that. That's not the message. All right. All right, all right. Let's pray. Father, we come. You're here. We sense you. We want you. We pray, Lord, for just an overflowing of your grace, that, Lord, you would take the word and give it life. Give it life to our hearts, to our spirits. Let it be fresh bread baked in heaven's oven, Lord, that we can feast on it, meat for those who can handle it. Take us deeper, Father, in the wonderful name of Jesus. Amen. So here we are. The snow is falling. I, I, I didn't pray for it. Um, but I want to talk to you about the incarnation. I want to talk to you about Jesus, our Emmanuel. Uh, I, I didn't, I was saying to someone uh, at the end of the second service, I didn't plan it because it was Christmas time, but it fits. So I'm just going to go with it. But the reality is, when I was a younger man, when we were younger, the world would literally stop at Christmas time. It would literally, like every street or every house would have lights on. You know, you would, you would go into stores and, you know, there would be, it wasn't, it wasn't about gifts as much. You had a lot more attention paid to the reality of Jesus. And schools had the attention paid on, paid the attention on Jesus. It wasn't winter break, you know, and all these different terminologies. It was Christmas. It was, it was a celebration of the Christ child. In 1914 in World War I, during a war, a war, a world war, there was a truce on Christmas Day. There was a truce because both the Germans <laughs> and, the, and, the, and the Europeans that were fighting in that war said, you know what, it's Christmas. And they said, we're going to kill each other on Christmas. Right? We want to celebrate the Prince of Peace. They're in the middle of a war, but they had a recognition, this is, this is not a time to fight. So they, would, they, they made food, and they shared food, and they gave gifts, and it like blow your mind to think, really, that happened in our world? Yes, it happened in our world. There was a greater recognition of the significance of the time in which we live. When you open the book, the Bible, and you start to read there, you are confronted with the reality of who God is. The Bible starts with this, in the beginning, God. So if you're not prepared <laughs> to read on, stop there. Because what you're being introduced to is his story. His story is getting ready to be told to you. You're having the opportunity to get to know the author of this book that you're reading. And as you, as you, very quickly as you get into the story, you find out from God's perspective how God looks at humanity, as God looks at the world in which we live, we blew it. <laughs> we absolutely mucked it up, okay? We absolutely made such a mess of things so that we are now living in a world apart from God and seeing, seeing with our eyes and, ex and experiencing in our life what it is like to be apart from God, to be apart from life itself, to be apart uh, away from fulfillment. And so God, God who sees man in this situation, I love, I love the word, how it tells me in Revelation that before creation, Christ was crucified. 
that there was a conversation in heaven before the fact, will you go? And he was like, I will go. So he sets this in motion. And so the scripture up there on Genesis 3.15, when God is communicating with Adam and Eve after they fell, he says this, I will put hostility between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. He will strike your head and you will strike his heel. So God's talking about a day in which there's going to be this seed, this individual. Somebody is coming. Somebody is on his way. So sin has put us in in such a place that we need to know that there is a Savior. Matthew 1, 20 to 23. But after he had considered these things, I'm just going to read these verses to you because we're going to fill them out. An angel of the Lord suddenly appeared to him in a dream saying, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife because what has been conceived in her is by the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you are to name him Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. Now all this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. See, the virgin will become pregnant Give birth to a son, and they will call, and they will name him Emmanuel, which is translated with us. Your faith and my faith are based on the supernatural reality of who God is. It is not a it's not a faith based on natural works, but it is a faith based on supernatural works. Can I get an amen? You cannot have faith in Jesus Christ and not have faith in a supernatural God. You cannot have faith in Jesus Christ, in God himself, and not believe that God is God. (laughs) It's impossible to come to church, to call yourself a Christian, to read the Bible, and pray to a God, and not expect to get an answer. Not expect to have divine intervention. Not expect that he will move. He actually tells you in Hebrews 11.6 that he that comes to God must believe that he is, and that what? He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him right? This is who God is. So he's a God of the supernatural. He's the God of a supernatural creation. Science is still trying to find the end of the universe that he spoke into existence. Woo! Still trying to figure it out. Still trying, just still in wonderment and awe at this immense universe that he spoke into existence. Now, he, in this situation and circumstance, here is this God who's now looking down at you and me and recognizing they need a Savior. They need a sinless man. They need someone without sin to pay the price for them. But there is no one. There is no one available. No man, no woman, no human can live a sinless life. So that the price can be paid. I can't help but think about the book of Revelation again, where it says, who can open the seal of the book? Who can open the book with the seven seals? Who can open the book? Who can open it? And there's silence in heaven and there's weeping in heaven trying to find someone who can open the book. There's nobody who can open the book. And then there was a lion of the lamb of the tribe of Judah. But then when they turned to look at the lion, they saw a lamb. Come on. They saw the lamb, the one who was slain. We sang about him this morning. The one who was slain. So here's this picture where God is saying, 
I need a savior. Mankind needs a savior. Where am I going to find a savior for mankind? And then God looks at himself. God looks at himself and says, I will be his savior. I will save him. But that necessitated a change in God. So God, who's spirit being, God, who's eternal being, God from eternity past, who looks down on time, who created time, who created this physical universe, here's this God who is so far above us that I'm sorry, we just don't get it. And that's okay, we will one day. He's so immense, so, so incredible, so amazing. He, who is God, says, I will change myself. I will change, listen, I will change my essence so that I will be different than what I was. That's the incarnation. God, listen, God became a man. I want to say God became a worm. (laughs) You know, I want to say in such a way, it's like you and me becoming a worm. It's like, how do you even picture the idea that the fullness of God would take on human flesh? And yet he, that's exactly what he did. He, he took this change upon himself so that he could come. And you know Philippians 2. He came for this purpose. He came not just to live, but he came to die. To die in your place and to die in my place. I remember when I was in Bible school. And I was uh, blessed beyond words to even be there. Never even anticipating at that time that God had really truly called me to full-time ministry. And I'm, I'm, in this, I'm in this setting, and I'm in a basic doctrine class. And because I didn't grow up in a, spirit, in a Christian home, uh, and all my training and teaching was pretty much self-taught for many years, um, reading and studying and reading and studying, I developed this idea that Jesus was the physical side of God in eternity past. Just that was my imagining, right? Trying to kind of put all the pieces of the puzzle together. And so in my mind, eternity passed, you know, here was God, this entity of, of awesome uh, character and beauty and, and holiness. And in my, my, my childhood, my faith, early teen faith, you know, I imagined the Father, Spirit, the Spirit, Spirit, and the Son physical. And then I'm in Bible school, and I'm, we're going through the doctrine of the Incarnation, And the teacher just (laughs) matter-of-factly, just matter-of-factly says, you know, that, you know, God changed himself. He incarnated himself. He hadn't had flesh, and he took on flesh. And when he said those words, my heart broke. And I I began to weep. And when I tell you I began to weep, I began to weep. I mean, I wept for for hours, I walked out of my class, went back to my room, and just said, how can it be? (sighs) That the God of heaven, eternal God, supreme out of love for you and for me would divest himself of his glory and change 
his essence. Literally change his essence. And it, it remains to this day. He, God is eternally forever changed because he took on flesh and he came and died in our place so that we might have relationship with him for eternity. Are you with me, church? Are you with me? This should blow. <laughs> Thanks. This should blow our minds when we contemplate that the eternal God who is supreme over everything in every circumstance, the Bible says the nations are a drop in the bucket to him. And yet he could have, he could have ended it. You know, he got upset a couple times and almost did it. Like, are you reading the same book I'm reading? He could have just said, I'm done with this group. I'm, I'm done. I want to try it again. Right? But he didn't. He didn't. Instead, he himself changed. He himself came. He himself took on this, what we're about to celebrate. Now the world, they might celebrate it on a day, but we get to celebrate his love every day. Somebody say amen. Every single day, we get to celebrate the awesome reality that there is a God in heaven who is not slightly interested, slightly involved, you know, just a little bit, just a little bit convinced to be involved with what we're going through, but instead has invested everything. He has invested everything, his whole self, his whole being, so that you and I might have life now, now, and in eternity. Now and in eternity. And so the statement, Christ came to die on a cross of wood, yet he, he made the hill on which it stood. And when you, when you begin to look at these truths of the incarnation and what took place, which boggled the mind of the New Testament authors as they were coming to grips with the reality that he is Messiah and he is God in the flesh. It was like, this is too hard to believe. So there was all these, uh, there was all these heresies that came up because it was too hard to consider that God would become a man. Be 100% God and 100% man at the same time. And bleed and die for you and for me. Yes, wow. Yes, wow. Wow, indeed. Wow, indeed. So the angel speaking to Joseph says, he says, you will call his name Jesus because he will save us from our sins. You shall call his name Jesus. You shall call his name Jesus. 700 names. <laughs> but the one that we all immediately relate to and, and feel for as we call his name Jesus. His name means Savior. And then the explanation, well, I'm giving you the name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. So we're reading the story after the account, but Jesus hadn't gone to the cross yet. So the angel was saying he's going to save them from their sins. So he's literally saying he's going to do something in his life that is going to eradicate sin. There's something coming in the life of this individual that's going to eradicate sin, that's going to remove sin. His name is Jesus. His name is Savior. Of all the names of God, 
that he is, that he is, that is a revelation and, and a fulfillment of who he is. This name Jesus is there to tell us something. The title that he gave, that we give to him tells the universe that he is the cure to all that ails us. Every situation, let me put it to every sin there is, he's the answer. Every darkness there is, he's the answer. Every spirit of suicide, he's the answer. Every spirit of depression, he's the answer. Every sickness, come on, he's the answer. It, every, every brokenness in your life, he's the answer. Your loneliness, he's the answer. It doesn't matter what the problem, the sin, the brokenness, God in Jesus is the answer. This is the very, this is the very lifeblood of the church. This is the message that was carried from the New Testament church into Europe and into Asia and into Africa and around the world. It's what unites you and me and the whole church around the world where you can pick up and jump on a plane and fly over to Timbuktu, it's a real place, fly over to Singapore, fly over to, it doesn't matter, and join with believers and be one with them because of the glory of the message of Jesus Christ. We're family, we're one, we're together in him. His blood is the answer. His psychology, psychology is not the answer. Not the answer. The medicine they give out, not the answer. Is there merit? Yes, there's merit, but it's not the answer. Does it give understanding? Yes, it does. It has merit, but it's not the answer. Jesus is the answer. His life, his truth, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. You know, probably more than most churches know, you know that there is this thing called spiritual warfare. <laughs> you can't build a church downtown on the main street and not experience spiritual warfare. You can't be ministering to people who are living on the street who have issues, we all got issues, issues, and not deal with spiritual warfare and recognize that the Bible is the Bible. Somebody say amen. Right? It talks about angels. They're real. It talks about demons. They're real. It, it, it is the spiritual world. When we get our eyes open to the reality of God's kingdom on planet Earth, we're going to get there in us and through us, then we recognize, okay, I'm on assignment. The minute I was born again, I was on assignment. I'm born again, I'm on assignment. Some of us resisted. Oh, I got things I want to do. There's things I, you know. You're on assignment. And when you submit to that assignment, that's where the glory and the power comes. This, this, to save us from our sins. To save us from our sins. Two points I want to give to you. Two points. Number one, when Jesus was on the cross, they stretched, hung him high and stretched him wide. When he was on the cross and he was communing with his father, it's my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And the I thirst. And then he says these words. He says, it is finished. It is finished. Better translation, paid in full. Come on. 
paid in full. Come on, do it one more time. Paid in full. My sin has been paid in full. There's no mark against my name. No, no mark against my name. I am before God. I am sinless. Bible says I, you, we are the righteousness of God in Christ. So it doesn't matter how dark the sin. It doesn't matter. See, this is the, this is the story of the, of, of scripture where you see all the blood being shed of bulls and goats, but it couldn't redeem. It couldn't redeem. It couldn't sanctify. It couldn't make holy. It was not good enough. It was not pure enough. It was not sinless. It was all in preparation for Jesus to come. And so now he has come. So it doesn't matter the sin. And this is why the powerful testimony of the gospel of Jesus Christ is so powerful. If you don't recognize the power of sin, then you don't appreciate the price that was paid. It is only when you recognize the power of sin and its worth of judgment that you begin to recognize the awesome price that was paid to redeem us back to God. And then when you're living in that awareness, right, you just want to tell somebody about him. You want to tell somebody about his love. You want to see those who don't know him come to know him. It's not a judgment gospel. It's a loving gospel. Somebody say amen. It's not, oh, you're going to hell. No, heaven has been paid for you. You can come to heaven with me. right? You can come to heaven. Heaven heaven is open now. It was closed before. It's open now. The blood has been paid. He loved you. He died for you. You're a sinner. I'm a sinner. But you can be saved from your sin. And it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It does not matter what the sin is. His blood is more powerful. His blood is more powerful. And now, secondly, secondly, you are dead to sin and you're alive to God. Woo! Woo! I'm dead to sin. sin. Sin no longer has power over me. As a believer, I have a new nature. As a believer, you have a new nature. You can't say, the devil made me do it. <laughs> you can't say, well, that's my, that's my DNA. I'm, I'm Scottish, you know? I'm, I'm Italian. I'm, 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 that's, my, that's our DNA. I, I got it from God. That, that's who, no, no. You're born again. You have a new bloodline. Your bloodline is now God's bloodline. You have his blood. You have his spirit. You are born again. You are born from above. You've been baptized and raised to what? Newness of life. Newness of life. So what was old is dead. Behold, all things are dead. I'm a new creation. Come on, church. Amen? That's who we are. So now uh, sin does not have power over me. I can live in victory. I can live knowing him and sharing him and giving him because of what he has done. It all goes back to the cross. Listen to me. It all goes back to the cross. I think that's why the New Testament church 
regularly had communion. I believe, honest, I haven't studied it, <laughs> but I believe in my spirit it was because they kept announcing the Lord's death till he come. Why? Because of what happened in his death. Everything changed in his death. All life came. Heaven was open. Sin was removed. Are you with me? Holy Spirit came. Church was birthed. Everything changed because of his death. So that death was so significant. And they preached the death and the resurrection, right? His return. This gospel of power that is now our inheritance. It is not something I have to ask for or beg for. It's been inherited. I don't know anybody here who's received an inheritance. But when that person died, if your name was on the document, it was yours. It was yours. You didn't have to beg for it. You didn't have to fight for it. Anybody who was a naysayer and said, oh, I deserve it. I should have it. No, your name's not on the document. It's not even a, it's not even a question before the courtroom. It's his by inheritance. It's yours by inheritance. Church... Church, the promises of God are yours and mine by inheritance. He died. He shed his blood. He's made his power and his glory available to each and every one of us. The issue is, are you a child? Amen. If you're a child, you have rights. You have rights to that inheritance. You have rights to that glory. You have rights to that healing. You have rights to these things. They are yours because of the precious blood of Jesus Christ. I love the Bible says, it availeth much. That old King James, the blood availeth much. It's, you look at the attention paid to the blood in the New Testament. The blood has opened the door. The blood has made a way. We are saved by the blood of the Lamb. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Psalm 32, 1. Happy is the man whose sins freely are forgiven. His innocence has been declared by the Lord of heaven. How great is it to be able to walk in a place of an open heaven? To walk in a place, there's no mark against my name. There's, there's no guilt or condemnation that the enemy can put on me. I, I am free from any guilt and condemnation. It causes joy to be in my life. That is why the kingdom of God in Romans 15, 17, that's why the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. That's what he gives to us. That's what he gives to us. It's sad when you look at the world this time of year because they come to Christmas Day, if they even call it Christmas, they get all excited, excited, excited about what's under the tree, what's under the tree, what is the gift, what is the gift, what is the gift? And then they open it, and then the next day it's like, it's all, it's just back to it. Got to go back to work. I don't want to go back to work. I, I want to stay off. This, this is crazy. I don't like my life. This does not fulfill. You know, they get all worked up, all worked up. The businesses love it. Oh, boy, we can get, go from the bread to the black or the black to the red. You know, here it is, here it is, here it is. And then it's like back to nothing. Because their focus is on the Christmas tree instead of salvation's tree. They miss the whole point. 
they don't see it. For you and for me, we get to celebrate. I, 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 get, I celebrate Christmas every day because I celebrate Christ every day, right? Every day is a celebration. Every day is an opportunity for glory. Every day is an opportunity for interaction with God. Ooh, that's exciting. That's exciting, right? I see you have a prayer meeting on Wednesday morning. Can I speak to your prayer as a church? Can I tell you that prayer changes things? Can I tell you that God doesn't change? Can I tell you that prayer and intercession is what God has literally tied into the release of his power on planet earth? If you have a need, pray. If you have a vision, church, pray. Not a five-minute prayer, not a 10-minute prayer. Take that hour, that hour and a half. Prayer is powerful. Prayer is the resource. Prayer is the communion. Prayer is the relationship tie. Prayer is that, that place where heaven comes down and speaks to earth and where earth responds. God says uh, amen or says yes to his promises and we respond with an amen. We're agreeing what the spirit of God is speaking into existence. And when the church prays, things change. A change. It's, it's not if, it's when. Are you with me? It's not if, it's when. It's 2021. It's almost 2022. But let me tell you something. God doesn't change. His ways don't change. The tools he uses, come on, the tools he uses change, but his ways don't change. And his way of revival is the way of prayer. You can't get away from it. You cannot get away. You want revival? You pray. You want more revival? Pray more. More prayer. You want more revival? Pray more. Stay on those knees, church. In your private life. I'm off. It's all right. I'm going to stay here for a minute. In your private life. Do you know why these worship services can be explosive? If you're worshiping during the week. If you're not worshiping during the week and the only time you're worshiping like this is on, is on Sunday or Wednesday or Thursday, that's the only time you're worshiping, it'll be good. It'll be good. But if you become a worshiper and you worship God every day in prayer, Will you uh, shut your door? Jesus said, when you go into your closet, shut your door. What does he say? Shut out the world. Shut yourself in with me. And you can't come before God without praise and worship and thanksgiving. You can't. You, other, you're just bringing a list. But if you want relationship, if you want fellowship, if you want intimacy, if you want communion, if you want prophetic insight into the future, that is because you're doing it on a daily basis. Now, when the church, the church is doing that daily, and they come into this place, and you gather together, and everybody, I'm sorry, everybody's prayed up. <laughs> everybody's worshipped up. Everybody's like, well, they just can't wait for the church service to start. When is it going to start? I want to worship together. I've been worshiping alone. Now I want to worship together. Holy Spirit says, I like that. Holy Spirit says, I like that. Holy Spirit says, that kind of reminds me of the throne room. Holy Spirit says, I think I'm going to come down. I'm telling you a secret. I'm telling you a secret. 
Listen, when you are doing it Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and then you come together on Sunday, in that spirit, every time you come, there's going to be power. Every time you come, there's going to be breakthrough. Every time you come. Getting the church to pray is one of the greatest challenges of our day because we're so 2022. We're so so up to date. And, you know, my phone and Instagram and this and that. Can you put it away, leave it outside, shut your door, and pray and pray and pray and pray and worship and watch and see. Watch and see if the Lord will not come and pour out blessings that you simply cannot contain because that's who he is, and he's faithful. He's faithful to his word. God, he says, they name him Jesus. They name him Jesus, but they call him Emmanuel. And Emmanuel is this recognition. It's a recognition of God literally in the earth. So in the Old Testament, when God created man, Adam and Eve put them in that garden, and they were fellowshipping with him, what would happen was every single day, he would come down in the evening, and they would walk in the garden together, and they would commune. So they did their work in the day. They did what they were called to do. They fulfilled their created purpose, and then they would commune, work and commune, work and commune, work and commune. And that garden was known as the very dwelling place of God. And God so desires that. You see it all through Scripture. God so desires that for us as his people that now under Moses, he builds a tabernacle. He builds a physical building, a tabernacle, so that he can do what? Tabernacle among them right, where he can actually come and his physical presence was manifested in the cloud uh, uh, by day and the pillar of fire by night. It was an actual physical manifestation of God's presence and glory. Then in the prophets, they speak about a day coming in which there'll be a city, an actual city in Ezekiel that talks about a city and the name of that city will be Emmanuel, the Lord is there. Okay, Emmanuel, the Lord is there in that very city. And we see that fulfilled, fulfilled ultimately in uh, Revelation in heaven. But on earth, Jesus comes, and he is called Emmanuel, God with us. God with us. This God with us did miraculous things. He released his power. He released his heart. He released uh, his truth. And people were changed. They were radically changed. The sinners loved him, and the religious hated him. <laughs> sinners loved him. Sinners loved him. The prostitutes loved him. The tax collectors, they loved him. Right? The normal, everyday people, they didn't have a problem. The religious who wanted him to look a certain way and act a certain way, they had a problem with him because he didn't fit their box. He didn't fit their box. Emmanuel, being called Emmanuel, is this um, opportunity for us to recognize his glory is here with us. I want to tell you, church, that his glory is here with you. And I want to tell you that as a church, 
you fulfill the Emmanuel mandate that God wants for the city of Trenton. That the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit who is God, amen, he's not a lesser God, he's not a demigod, he's not a, a, you know, this little piece of God, he's fully God, is where? Where is the Holy Spirit? He's in you. So as you come together in the spirit of the Holy Spirit, when you are living out Emmanuel, that is where this whole city becomes an opportunity for God to invest himself through you and bring about change. I want to cast a vision before your hearts that you are called to the kingdom for such a time as this, that this house is here for divine purpose that it's here to draw people out of darkness and into light. I ministered prophetically over your pastors this morning. You could watch it probably. I don't know if you recorded it. But I just sensed and feel in my spirit that this is, that harvest is now. He had said it in the early, at the beginning of the first service. I just sensed in my spirit that the harvest is now. And what that means, what I believe that means, is that you are going to grasp the reality, not that I'm giving you some big word here, but you're going to grasp what the Spirit of God is saying through your pastor. You're going to grasp the vision as the Holy Spirit gives it to you. And there's going to be a release of signs and wonders. There is going to be a release of the breakthrough power of God. This just Because you know why? Because Emmanuel is here. Come on, church, because Emmanuel is here. It's not, he's not off somewhere far away. And yes, that's, that's salvation, but that's also healing, and that's also deliverance. It's called breakthrough. It's, this is the very heart of God. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. He does not change. He doesn't change in that essence of his character. He stays the same. And so as a church who is focused on the harvest field and has a love for your city, God partners with you and says, I'm coming down and I'm releasing my glory and I'm releasing my power. I'm releasing my authority because it's time. It's time. And so staying faithful, staying faithful, staying faithful to his spirit, staying faithful to the house. Uh, Can I applaud you for being here? Seriously, because there's a lot of folks that say, oh, I'll just stay home. <clears throat> Let's be real. A lot of pastors, a lot of churches, oh, I'll just stay home. They're like running 40 and 50% of what they were running before the big C. But you're here, and you want more. Can I get an amen? amen. You're here, and you want more. I want you to stand with me. I want you to stand with me. This, this cry in your spirit that says to the Lord, I want to be your hands. I want to be your feet. I want to be your voice. If that's you, I don't know if you have people. Could you come up? You don't, don't probably. Don't. <laughs> if you want to come up, come up. If you want to just say to the Lord, Lord, I'm, 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 I'm re-reporting for duty. I want a fresh anointing. I want a fresh anointing to be your hands and your feet. I want a fresh anointing to release your glory on, uh, in the city of Trenton, where you may be living, on the street that you're living, in the, in the place of work, where you are. You're just saying, Lord, I'm, I'm, I'm reporting for duty, and I want a fresh release of your presence, a fresh release of your anointing. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. 
So just, yeah, shut your eyes, lift your hands, and just begin to worship the Lord. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. Not by might, Lord, not by power, but by your Spirit. It's by your Spirit, Lord. It's by your Spirit, Lord. Oh, you promised times and seasons, times and seasons of refreshing. We come to you now, Lord. We come to you now hungry, hungry and thirsty for times of refreshing, oh, Lord. Times of refreshing, seasons of refreshing. Oh, breakthrough from your spirit, Lord, breakthrough. Do the work that only you can do. Minister hearts, Lord, minister to hearts, minister to lives. Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit. Thank you for listening. We hope that you enjoyed our message. If you are in the Quinty West area, we would love to have you visit us on Sunday morning at 24 Dundas Street West, Trenton, Ontario. Check out our service times on our website at atthecrossroads.ca.